Seek Outside podcast listeners, what is happening? I hope you're having a great day. Uh, Got some awesome news for you. We are going to be bringing back podcast trivia. For those who don't know, this is something that we've done in the past. Uh, Basically, it's just a cool way for y'all to get involved to to get some free gear um, by answering a question. So I'm going to just break down uh, the rules and how you can participate and then i'll explain some of the prizes here um, so that you guys are ready for this so how it works is we have a facebook group called seek outside adventures Uh, now you got to join that group and be paying attention every thursday at 3 p.m mountain standard time Uh, myself or kevin or somebody from the seek outside crew here is going to be posting a question and it'll say podcast trivia Uh, that trivia question is going to be pertaining to the most recent podcast episode which is going to be posted every wednesday uh, before noon um, so that you guys have a good time frame to listen to it now whoever answers that question correctly and and the quickest uh, is going to win one of our free gear items which will be specified on the podcast the day before we got some awesome um awesome prizes that we're going to be rolling out um we got prototype backpacks um you know one of a kind seek outside backpacks we got uh backpacks with patterns and fabrics that we don't use anymore we're going to be giving away gift certificates we're going to be giving away free gear um you know we got some bino harnesses stuff like that um so this is a really cool opportunity to to you know win some free seek outside gear some one of a kind stuff um so that being said this episode is going to be the inaugural well shouldn't say inaugural but it's going to be the episode that we're bringing it back so make sure you pay attention um so tomorrow and that is january 13th at 3 p.m i'm going to be posting a question in the facebook group that is seek outside adventures um that um is pertaining to this podcast here with clay hayes now the prize for tomorrow is super dope what we got is we have a prototype flight backpack um then this is a very interesting backpack because it's going to be one of a kind um it's x21 uh so that's the gray x pack that it's made out of it also is going to be different from our normal flights because it has an integrated frame and that's the thicker gauged aluminum frame um which is typically uh better for higher weights uh it's got a hip belt it's got a harness both in the spectra that we used to use that's kind of more of a blue color instead of the gray color that we use now um it's got the the short nalgene pockets on the side it's got a mesh face pocket it's really cool um it is used uh but i would say lightly used and i mean i've checked it out it's it's you know it'll work for a while um so it's a really awesome backpack so make sure You listen to the podcast here with Clay Hayes and tune in tomorrow to our Facebook group, Seek Outside Adventures at 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time uh, for your chance to win this pack. All right, guys. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Seek Outside Outside Podcast. Yeah, there's there's no question to know. David Lee. And you were the uh, head chapter leader of Colorado VHA? Clay Hayes. Uh, well, I got stalked by a mountain lion, uh, made a fishing pole out of a lodgepole pine. 
falconry and bird dogs, can they coexist? Oh man, and do they. Shitty weather and lots of bears. That's what this podcast is about. You made a point when you get up in those high basins and the thunderstorms come rolling in. That's how I got into trail running. Some people are just wired that way. Okay, so Clay, let me guess. You're a lot warmer right now than you were one year ago today. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking about that lately. Like, where, what would I have been doing on this day last year? Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I am a lot warmer than I was. But uh, it was drawing down to the final days, but I didn't know it. You know, I had no idea. Um, but I would, I'd have been uh, right about now, I'd have probably been on my snare line, hoping to find a, a snowshoe in one of my snares, may have been eating some rose hips, um, trying to make a living. So when did you know, that's an excellent segue, when did you know or really have a strong feeling that you were going to win? Um, you know, I didn't really, because I, I really guarded myself against hoping that hoping for any particular outcome or hoping that it would end by any certain day. Um, because if you start to do that, if you start to hope that maybe the next time they come out, maybe that will be when they're coming to tell you that you're the last one. You know, if you start to hope that and then it's not, it, it turns out to not be that, and then they leave again, that can be crushing. Um, and we saw that it's, if, I can't remember what season was probably, uh, season six, maybe when Barry was, Barry was absolutely convinced that they were coming to tell him that he had won. I remember that. And they came out there, they did their, yeah, they did their med checks. They, they did their whole thing and then they left, they left him there and it, it wrecked him psychologically. Um, and so, no, I, I was very cautious against ever hoping that they were coming back to tell me that I was the last one. But at some point, you had to kind of have a feeling, even beforehand, that, okay, these five people I don't think are real strong, and I think it's going to come down to this, this, and this, and this, if it, if it works out for everybody. Or, or was it totally different? Well... Um, yeah, I mean, you can't help but to get an idea for who, who you think is going to do well and who you think is going to not do well. Um, but people surprise you. Like, I mean, and they, there's some people that really surprise me. Um, but with that said, when you're out there, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who drops out, when they drop out, um, because all it takes is one. All it takes is one person to keep you out there for an indefinite amount of time. And so it's not when you're when you're out there, it's not really a competition with anyone. It's a it's a if it's a competition at all, it's with yourself because you that you could you're constantly coming up with things like that. Oh, like somebody else has a better spot. Somebody else has got, you know, they've got a better fishing spot or they're doing this or they're doing that. You know, and if you start playing that game with yourself, it can be easy to find excuses to leave. Um, and that's something that you don't, you want to try to avoid it at all costs. So you're doing a great job segueing into almost every of my next questions. 
So that's that's part of the plan, man. So it's like I gave you a list, right? Um, so <laughs> was did you feel like I can make it X amount of days, like one twenty? But after that, or did you feel like I'm getting pretty close to the end here, and all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, man, you're the winner." Well, like when I first went out, I think, uh, I don't know, the, the, the producer asked me that same, like how, he asked me how far, how long do you think you can last out there? And I said, well, my birthday is January 22nd. I'm going to turn 40 in British Columbia. And that was like 130 days or I can't remember, but it was a long time. Um, you know, and I, I would have done that if I had had to. Uh, and I was able to, um, but you know, when you're out there, like, um, I had the mental or, uh, the, the mental strength to do it. I just didn't know if my body would hold out, you know? Um, and I had, so when I killed that deer, I, I made all that jerky and I ended up rationing that and I rationed that out to 90 days. Um, that's as far as I thought I could stretch it and not just be like on the verge of being pulled. And they actually did warn me at one time, they warned me about my weight, um, and said that I needed to, you know, start keeping tabs on that because they would, I mean, they'll pull you for medical reasons if you lose too much weight. And so there's that kind of balance point. Um, but I had my meat rationed out to 90 days and during those last probably three weeks or so um i was also catching i started catching rabbits pretty regularly in my snares and i was also catching grouse on the snares and shooting a few more grouse with my bow and so you know i was just going to go as long as as long as they would allow me to be out there um but i knew that i could have made it to 90 with the deer meat and then i I knew that I could also make it beyond that. I just didn't know how far beyond. I didn't know how long they would let me stay out there if I if I if my body condition started to deteriorate more. How were your energy levels? I mean, would it, would it have been a surprise if someone pulled you, or or would you have been like, no, I feel like absolute ass at this point. I can barely move. I have energy for forty five minutes a day. Um. No, I mean, they're, they're not going to pull you just like right off, like unexpectedly, like they, they'll warn you. I mean, that, you know, that it's coming. Um, but as far as the energy goes, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't maintain the level of activity that I do now. And I, I, I think I talked about, I, I can't remember if I talked, if they showed any of that on the show. I know I talked about it when I was out there. Um, but like if I was processing firewood, for instance, you know, everything's it's I had that big silky handsaw and it's all, you know, pretty physical stuff. Like I could cut one piece of wood and then I'd have to stop, you know, for five, ten minutes and just rest. And then I'd have to I'd cut another piece. So I did everything, you know, once once November rolled around, I did everything very, very slowly. Um, there was really not a lot to do uh, except for. You know, I ran my snare lines every day. I was out, you know, picking rose hips and and finding foraging whatever else I could find, which there's not a lot at that time of year. Um, but I was, you know, I, my energy was depleted very quickly 
Um, but I felt fine. I, I, I felt, you know, other than that, I felt, felt just fine. And I was actually gaining weight. Um, I think at one point I'd gotten down to 140 pounds. And then when I finally came out, I was like 142 or 143 or something like that. Um, so I had actually, once they warned me about my weight, I started eating a little bit more and, and, uh, put on a little bit of, of weight. And that, and you started to catch some fish there at the end too, which <clears throat> seemed like it was very beneficial for your fat contents. Cause I mean, if you're just eating the lean, you know, steaks of a deer, I mean, you can only make it so far on that. What, what was your main fat source out there? Was it just fish? Well, I actually, I, I only caught one fish after, so all the fish that I caught, I think were in the first two weeks. And after that, I couldn't catch another fish and I fished for hours and hours and hours um, on the fishing rod. Now the, the only other fish that I caught was in that gill net. And that was, uh, I don't know, sometime in November, I don't remember. Um, but that was- So you only caught one fish in the, in the winter there? Yeah, only one fish after those first couple of weeks. I like. I, I think the fish just went off into the into the deeper water, um, and the one that I caught in my gillnet, I I don't that was, I don't know. I think that was just a fluke. Um, but I, you know, my as far as fat goes, the the deer that I shot it was a young buck. It was pre rut. Um, and he was pretty, I mean, he was a healthy deer. So there was fat on his rump. There was a bunch of internal fat. And so, uh, when I processed that deer, I kept every bit of that stuff, all the call fat from, in, you know, the stuff that surrounds the organs, um, in the intestines, I kept all that rump fat. And w after I was done, like processing all the meat into, into strips and hanging it in the smoker and doing all that stuff. I took all that fat and cubed it up. And then I, you know, in my little Dutch oven, I just rendered that out and I ended up with probably two quarts of rendered out uh, tallow, deer fat. And so every day, every meal that I would cook, I'd, I'd eat once a day and I would cook a stew of whatever meat I had, uh, pine mushrooms, anything else that I could find, which sometimes I'd find little uh, wild carrots, um, cranberries, and then I would break off a hunk of that deer tallow and throw in there. Um, and I that was... Sounds good I'd basically just stew that all day, braise that, whatever meat was there, and it was fantastic. There was never enough, but it was good. <laughs> so, Clay... You were out there a long time. Do you feel your skills as an outdoorsman, wood, woodsman, improved during the filming? Or were you just really reaching into your bag of tricks the whole time? You're like, okay, I'm going to do this that I did eight years ago and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that's I, – I, I think I don't think you can spend that much time in the woods and not improve in some aspect as far as woodsmanship. Um, you know, you're bound to learn something, but mo most of what I did out there, most of, um, most of the skills that I drew on, you know, came from something in my past. And that's, I'm, I'm actually working on the final edits for a book right now. That's, um, that goes over the whole experience, but that's a lot of what that book is about. Like my, my whole past, my whole background, it's like, I mean, there's so many things that I've done 
in my life that that uniquely prepared me for that type of thing. And so that that's I spent a lot of time um, talking about that type of stuff in that book. Every I mean, all the way back to my early early childhood. Well, I was gonna say because you got a biology major from college, right? Yeah. So I. Uh, Mm, I got a bachelor's in natural resource conservation from University of Florida and a master's in wildlife ecology from Mississippi State. Okay. Did you find that that having that knowledge helped you with, you know, first off, probably plant identification was probably huge there, but also knowing, you know, where wild carrots might grow or knowing when, you know, certain animals move through, you know, certain places. Did you find that that were you drawing from that uh, source of knowledge a lot? Um, there was definitely some uh, some benefits when it came to um, like understanding habitats and uh, ecology and things like that. Like I talked about, and they actually showed this on the show. I talked about the the condition that that burn was in that was on my site, um, and then of course plant ID and stuff like that. But that's that's actually a question I get fairly often, like. Does being a biologist help you to be a better big game hunter or something like that? And I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it does. Um, I, I, I think that the things that drew me, the interests that drew me into being a wildlife biologist, also uh, drew me into wanting to know more about hunting and wanting to be the best hunter that I could be. Um, so I think there, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of overlap there, but I don't think that one necessarily affects the other. If anything, I think that being a good hunter would make you a better biologist. Yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense because, <clears throat> you know, you can, you can do all the studies you want and, but being out there and actually hunting and stuff like that, there's no closer way to, you know, see animal habits and stuff like that. Yeah. So <clears throat> go ahead. Did the did the expectations of yourself prior to the show did they match up pretty well as the show unfolded, or were there a lot of things you learned about yourself along the way? The biggest, like I wanted to know. I mean, one of the big reasons that I went out there is I wanted to just know that I, I wanted to know if I could do it. I wanted to know that um, if all of the things that I'd spent my life doing um could prepare me for something like that and as far as all the physical stuff the 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 being able to build the shelters and catch the, you know build the fishing rod and catch fish and hunt and all that stuff like i expected to be able to do that um the the biggest thing that surprised me was how emotionally draining it was being out there for that long being away from the family um you know you've got that aspect of it and then you've also got this like slow starvation um and then once once the winter starts to come around you've got the days are getting shorter and then there's also this thing like we talked about before like i felt like i had such a limited um amount of calories that i had and they had already warned me about my weight, so I felt like I couldn't. I felt like I couldn't afford to be as active as I wanted to be. And I'm a I'm a very active person. Like I I can't I don't just sit around. And so, 
you know, you've got this, you got slow starvation, you got isolation from your family for months. Um, and then you've got this like forced sedentary lifestyle. Uh, and those three things kind of combined late. Um, I don't know, I guess about around day 50 or so, like I got, and they didn't show this on the show, but I got downright depressed and started feeling sorry for myself and probably stayed in that funk for, nah, it would have been before that, day 45 maybe. Um, but anyway, I stayed in this funk for like 10 days and the whole time the camera's rolling and I'm filming myself like, you know, whining and, you know, feeling sorry for myself. And, you know, what brought me out of that was the thought that my two boys, Koi and Finn, like, they're going to watch this and they're going to see me in here, you know, acting like, you know, a whiny baby. And that's what, that, that's what brought me out of it. Cause I didn't, that's, I went out there in large part to set a good example for them and to show them that you could, overcome challenges you could overcome the, the challenge that you that, that face you and overcome that adversity and i i knew that when i was feeling sorry for myself like that was not the way to show that and so thanks to them uh i was able to get through that and then the last two weeks or so that i was there was actually pretty doggone good you know i'd fe- i'd quit I, and it was like like a, a light switch turned on like just like that, I stopped feeling sorry for myself. It was a 180 degree switch in my attitude, and that's all it took to end all of my suffering was just a, a shift in my perspective. You know, I went through that time when, like, I'd lost my my reason for being there, kinda. Um, but when when that shift happened, and I I started thinking of what they would think. I, I, that reason for being there was there again. It gave me that mission. Um, and that was, uh, that was a huge turning point for me, um, in that, in that experience of being out there. Um, but then also I think, you know, that, that has long lasting effects. So. So it's sort of the get busy living or get busy dying from Shawshank Redemption. Exactly. (laughs) So if someone wanted to be on a loan, say you ran into someone, they're like, oh, that's my dream thing. What kind of recommendations would you give them? Uh, Seriously consider whether or not you want to go out there and do that. (laughs) Because there was time, I mean, there was definitely times out there when I was like, what in the hell have I done? Like, why did I ever want to do this? This sucks. Um. And it did. I mean, it freaking sucked. Yeah. Uh, when you, <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's like I was in it and I wasn't going to quit. You know, there was nothing, uh, you know, short of like, it, 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 I would have had to really think that I was about to die to, to tap out. And I don't even know if I would have done it then. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a, when they drop you off, everybody thinks that, well, not everybody, a lot of people think that it's, um, I don't know what they think. I, I think that they, they, they feel like they can go out there and, and get it done and, you know, they'll build a shelter and shoot a deer and do all those things. But 
I mean, even, you know, me going through that, there was a lot of my success that was just flat out luck. Like, I mean, there was, I was out there for 72 days, 74 days. I saw two deer. My, my whole success pivoted on that deer. I saw two deer the whole time I was there. I was hunting with a stick bow. I killed the only legal deer that I saw. Now, if you gave me a month on public land in Idaho to kill, and you put antler restrictions on me and everything else, I don't know if I could do it. And so, I mean, it's just, just like everything, all, just like all success in life, there's so much that's just random events that happen, you know, but um, I was prepared for when that opportunity came. I mean, I, I shoot my bow almost every single day. I, I, I was prepared to capitalize on that. Um, but just getting the opportunity was so unbelievable yeah. that that even happened. Well, well, you brought up just when, on this question that it, it sucked at times, that it really sucked. Now, watching it as an observer, I thought... Clay has the coolest setup of anyone there. He's got literally like a cabin. He's got a good fireplace. He's making himself a chair. Um, he's burying stuff in the ground. He's almost got himself a little cold storage going on. What was your cabin life like? I mean, was it just barely warmer than what it was outside? Or, or when you got into, I mean, you even kind of made yourself a cot in there for the most part. You had an elevated sleeping thing i don't i don't recall if you had rodents crawling over you but like bike Biko, i think had rodents crawling over him in the night and stuff like that what was it like then was it like hey my cabin's pretty cool or or was it like this still sucks <laughs> well um it still sucked but <laughs> because it's it's like you never have you there's never enough to eat I mean, and, and, and that's one of those things, it's like, it could have been a, a lot worse. You know, it could have been so much worse. I, if I hadn't have killed that deer, I, I would have, they would have pulled me, you know, for malnutrition. Um, and that would have really sucked. to get, And there's so many people that, like, I, I think of Teresa and Coulter, um, I mean, they gave it hell. And they just, you know, if one thing had been different for either one of them, one thing, if they had found a deer, you know, th this whole thing could have been very different. Um, but the, I mean, the sucky part is one, not, I mean, there's the, the things that I talked about before, the being away from family and not only being away, but not having any idea what's going on at the house. Um, you know, the slow starvation and then the, 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 the inactivity. And the short days, like there were times when there was one time in particular, I, I felt like after I made that determination, like I'm not going to be able to be as active as I want to be. I need to conserve energy. If I don't conserve energy, I'm going to lose too much weight. They're going to pull me off. And so um, right after that, I, there was one day when I spent like, 16 hours in my sleeping bag and like i did that one time i tried to do it again it was like nope i cannot do that because I'll, I'll sit here and tear myself apart mentally 
And so I, you know, I had to get up and, and start being more active than that, but I still couldn't afford to be very active. But I mean, that's the, that's the type of things that people don't think about. You know, they think about, oh, I get to go out there and unplug and life will be so simple. And it is, I mean, that's, that's awesome part about it. But the other, the, you know, there's the other side of it that, um, the reality of being out there alone and having to make a living on an unforgiving and, un, you know, just uncaring land, um, that can be tough. Did, did your mind ever start to play tricks? Like you think like in your taking a nap and you think there's deer outside your cabin or you're dreaming of deer or things along that that line not that no not that i can remember the i don't remember hardly dreaming at all i mean the only dream that i can really remember is the one that they used on there where i was like outside of a restaurant with sitting there talking to joe rogan um, but no, I don't, I don't remember a whole lot of dreams. Did you find that this whole experience kind of changed your relationship with the woods? Like, do you go out now and you're just like, oh, this is a piece of cake or, or did it change your relationship in any way with going outside? No, I mean, because it was, for me, it felt, it was just, it, it felt normal for me to be out there because it's something that I'm used to. I mean, solo trips is something that I do. Uh, I actually just got back yesterday from a um, couple days out on the river by myself. Um, it's just, you know, it was just in a, a very long time with no provisions, yeah. basically. So I feel like you were very uniquely set up to, to win this type of thing. And I had a feeling when we talked back in June, just the way you were kind of going about it, I had a feeling that you won. But then seeing you at BHA and seeing how knowledgeable you were on uh, on the woods and seeing just the, the bow that you created, um, that you made by yourself and, and seeing all the items that you brought and, and knowing that you are a biologist, you know, you got a, a lot of times biologists have to spend, uh, you know, long periods of time out in the woods i feel like you were very uniquely positioned to to win this thing but i think uh what everybody finds out is that mental block is the one thing that you can't get anywhere else you can get all the experience of you know of what plants to eat and where to find deer and where to find fish but you know i'm sure that there is something um it's a totally different thing to be stuck out there and have to stay out there. No, well, it seems to me that the ones that do the best are the ones that are most at home in the outdoors. Like Roland was super at home in the outdoors. You were super at home. Um, what was the guy who had the wolverines going up and the moose up in the tree? He was very at home. Yeah, yeah Jordan, he was very at home. Yeah, I, I think that you definitely have, like, if you're going to do well, uh, you, you need to be at home in the woods. You need to be comfortable out there. Um, but I think, and, and this is something we talked about at the, the BHA rendezvous, um, like the, the, the attribute, I think that you absolutely have to have is persistence. Like, you, you have to persist 
and you know you have to f- to over the, you're gonna be you're gonna have stuff that just doesn't go your way you know things like the gillnet is the my biggest example like that shit just didn't work and um and i i was really um you know i needed that to work i needed those extra calories and it just didn't and i tried um i i think they on the show they made it look like i gave up on it like pretty quick um but i didn't i mean i i i actually i would go out there i'd set that thing um and it wouldn't work and i would get pissed off and i'd throw it down and say ah to hell with it and then i'd go i'd and i do this with a lot of different things i'd be back in my shelter and i'd be laying there in my bunk and then i like I can't not think about that thing laying out there. And I think, oh, well, maybe if I tried this, you know, and I'd go out there and try it again, and it, that wouldn't work. And then I'd get pissed off, and I'd throw it down and say to hell with it. And then I'd go back, and, and I kept doing that over and over. And I bet I tried setting that thing about 10 different ways, 10 different times. And on right on up until the day before they came and got me, I was still trying to figure out how to use that gill net to to catch fish but um i mean things are always uh there's always going to be problems to overcome and and in order to to stay out there that long you just have to persist can you talk about the bear attack a little bit was that your closest bear encounter in the woods and are you are you a firm believer in pepper spray now Um. Yeah, that was the closest I've ever been to a grizzly. I've been closer to black bears before, um, but that it's it's that was a f- kind of a funny thing. Um, the uh, the bear, like I don't even think the spray ever hit him. Really? Um, when that when that bear was coming to me, so I first saw him. He was probably seventy or eighty yards out, and when we saw each I don't even know if he saw me I think he heard me and he's come he started running at me and I ran up to a tree like there was a big spruce tree or something uh between he and I and I ran up to that spruce tree to just try and get some kind of cover between us because I didn't want to be right out in the open and have him like you know bowl me over and got up behind that tree and he stopped just on the other side of it he was i don't know 25 feet away or something like that and uh i didn't i couldn't really see him because he was obscured by that tree and i looked i looked around i'd already had my pepper spray out and i had the camera in the other hand and uh i saw that he was gonna i thought that he started to move and i didn't know what he was doing I, I saw him moving to my left and i thought well maybe he's coming around the left side of that tree so i just pointed the pepper spray in that direction and and hit the trigger and it, um you know sprayed all over the snow and everything but when i looked when i looked at the footage later back at camp um that bear wasn't coming around the tree he was wheeling around to to leave he he saw me when he came up and stopped he saw what i was and took off i mean he was he was getting out of town um and so you know it was i i think i don't even think it was a really real charge i think he just heard something 
and he was running up to see what it was. He was, I guess he was trying to get me to flush. Uh, thought that I may have been a deer or maybe a black bear. I don't know. Maybe he thought I was something he wanted to eat. But when he saw that I was a person, he, um, he put the brakes on. He probably thought you were too skinny at that point. He, that's, that's a good <laughs> chance. <Yeah. laughs> that guy's yeah. going to be super tough. <laughs> yeah calf yay calf muscle well, I, I read i read an interview where you Tendons. said that uh that the bear looked like he was an english setter going after a, a game bird instead of ears pinned back yeah and that's exactly yeah that's exactly what it reminded me of like like a like a flushing dog um you know with a with a pheasant and in, 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 in tall grass like he's jumping up trying to get that you know he's got his ears up and he's his his head's up he's looking for that bird he's trying to get that bird to flush and that's exactly what that bear reminded me of because his, his head was up and stretched out and his ears were up like he was looking for me um you know there wasn't like i've spent a lot of time around big animals in my life and that like i i understand how to read body animal body language and there was nothing about that bear that that said aggression to me and i mean that's that was probably like normally if you get charged by a grizzly bear you expect like your adrenaline to be through the roof and you to get the shakes and all of that stuff like none of that ever happened i i never got the shakes i never had that adrenaline dump it was just like man that was freaking cool because that it just i mean the bear wasn't it didn't look aggressive to me you know if that bear if if its head had been down and ears pinned back, like you know, that's a that's a that's a whole different bear. That's a different situation right there. And that's when you're like, holy shit! Like that could have went south real fast. That is an excellent segue into that. Predators have a tendency to act very similarly, and I know you and I had a conversation several years ago um, about not acting like a predator yeah, and having success hunting um, because you didn't seem to present yourself like a predator. And I'll admit it, I can sit at my house, people can run by my house, take their dogs for a walk, ride by, bike by, I don't give a shit. But if someone is slowly walking by my house or looking at it with some sort of intent, I'm like, what the hell are you doing, dude? You know, there, there's, there's a, just like I saw a coyote in a field the other night, you know, obviously displaying predator kind of uh, behavior. So how much do you think that animals in general key into i guess you'd say the attributes of a of a predator more so than well you're a lion you're a bear you're this well i mean that's i think it's pretty obvious if you like you could you can see that taking place on the discovery channel i mean watch a watch any documentary on african wildlife and you can see a, a lion out there just like you know willy-nilly walking around and the all the gazelles or zebra or whatever just watching it uh, they're not running away because that lion's not in stalk mode, you know. But if if they see a lion like sneaking through the grass, that's a different story. They they react. They they get out of town. Um, so I yeah, I mean they they understand. They 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 can read that body language. They understand what those 
motives that's are. That's so true. And uh, I, I even feel like mentally, better than like when I'm out hunting, we do. if I'm keying into and like I'm really glassing stuff and I'm, it, you know, maybe it's the first day I'm all excited. I'm in that like predatory mode. Nothing ever happens. But like last day after I'm, you know, just exhausted and I kind of, you know, give up all hope. I'm just like, well, fuck it. I'm out here because I have to. That's always when something walks by. Like to a T, like every single time. So I don't, I don't know if there's something to that or if it's just me overthinking it. But I think, uh, I think that's very true. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I think, uh, <clears throat> I think sometimes I don't know about glass, like being, you know, glassing from long distances or something like that. But if you're like, I do a lot of still hunting, and if you have the wrong mindset, still hunting, like that, definitely has a big impact on your success um i don't know i, I think uh i don't think animals can read minds but uh i think sometimes our mental state comes out in our the way we move um our body language maybe i, I don't know but th th there's definitely some connection there how 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 do you mean your mental state will still hunting well i mean if you one well one one thing that i'm talking about is if you're not fully there like if you're thinking about other things uh that's going to impact the way that you move the speed that, that you move the the awareness that you have in the woods um and i mean like not fully there by by being somewhere else mentally you know if you're thinking about stuff that you have to do at work or things like that that's that can have a huge impact on um, how well you're able to detect animals or move through the woods unob unobtrusively. Yeah. Stay in the moment. Yes. Which is not easy um, for people who have a bunch, you know, busy yeah. people and have a bunch of stuff on their plate. That's a, that's a, a skill in itself is just, you know, letting go of all that stuff uh, and being there, being completely present but it's very important. Um, so back to alone, have you, have you spent any of the money yet? Have you gone on any cool hunting trips or anything? Do you have any plans? I know you're down in Florida right now doing, doing the whole hog hunting, tarpon fishing thing. Do you have any big plans with the money? Well, we, we are debt free. We paid off our mortgage. Um, we started a couple of college funds for the kids and, uh, the rest of, I mean, the bulk of it is just getting invested for, you know, later on, but no, I don't, I don't, I'm not, uh, I don't have any plans to spend it on like hunting trips or anything like that. You know, that's, that's kind of our retirement or hopefully will be as long as the, we don't go through another 2008. <laughs> yeah. Now, if the, if the, if a loan called and said, Hey, we're having a winner's contest, you want in, you want or not? Would you be like, heck yeah, I'm in, or like, no, I'll pass, guys? You know, if they said you're going back to Chilco Lake, I'd I'd say, nah, I'm gonna pass this one. Uh, <laughs> but Mongolia, I would, yeah, I would go to Mongolia, like where they did. I don't, I can't remember what season that was. Maybe five. Um, I would go to Mongolia because there was boar there. There was there was wild boar, and well. I probably shouldn't talk too much about the details because I have 
information that others don't have but um there were boar there um there was other animals that they couldn't hunt i mean there were red deer like on the footage on the show you can hear red deer roaring in the background and i'm like what why are these people not hunting red deer and it's a rut um but they were mm. off limits there were manchurian moose there that were off limits the red deer were off limits um but i mean there was a stream there where they could fish there was there were boar and i have i don't think there's ever been anybody on the show that was more qualified to hunt boar than me <laughs> so i would definitely go to mongolia um vancouver island uh, i probably would do vancouver island i would definitely i'd make a boat i would absolutely make a boat but um I don't know. I mean, it, it, I think it depends on the, it would depend on the location. Um, it depend on the specifics, but I definitely wouldn't rule it out. And if I had to say, um, I would probably more likely go than not. Um, but it, I mean, it depend on the details, I guess. So what is your next goal? Do you have do you have some something you're aspiring to? Your, your YouTube channel has grown a ton. Yeah, from the show, it's probably going to grow more when it hits uh, when it hits uh, Netflix next year, right? I think so. Is yeah. there you you have all these educational videos? You have sponsors. Are you just kind of the semi-retired Clay now, who's hunting and having fun, or do you have some other project that you're like, you know, I want to aspire to do this yeah so i there's a couple of things um one i would like to write more like i'm uh, and i'm working on that um i've got this book about my alone experience that i'm really trying hard to get out before christmas uh we'll see if that happens or not um, I'd like to revisit my bow building book and there's a, there's a bunch of edits. I'd like to do like a second edition of that expanded second edition of that. Um, and I, I'd like to write more, but then there's another thing that I've been like waffling on for, for years. And I finally, now it's like one of the things that I talked about out there, like if I win this, I want to do this thing. And it's, it's, um, I want to do like a, a traditional based like not just archery tr so traditional archery like fly fishing like muzzle loading um a traditional based hunting and fishing program for youtube but something that has like really good production value something that's very thoughtful like have have you do you, are you guys familiar with Walker's K Chronicles at all? It was back in the 90s. It was on ESPN, Flip Palette, uh, world-renowned fly fisherman. It was like one of the, probably the best outdoor um, television program ever created. I mean, that, yep. that thing ran yep. for like 15 years. But it was very well done. It was like Flip's a very articulate, very thoughtful person. So I would love to create something like that for youtube um the the my hesitancy for that is to get that like get that really good production value and and to capture the footage do the 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 music the, the all of that stuff i mean you're looking at i don't know seven to ten thousand dollars per episode you know to hire cameras to you know 
get extra boats if you need it for somebody to score the thing you know do do all those things and youtube just unfortunately does not reward production value like it's just not there and so i don't know i as a like for me as a filmmaker like the artistic side of me wants to do that it's just hard to it's hard to justify doing that you know that type of expenditure because like, like the stuff that i do now the production cost is basically the cost of me going somewhere because i do everything myself yeah what about netflix or or amazon prime or something have you looked into that at all um i i really haven't looked into netflix i have no idea what would go into that i have looked into amazon prime like i can upload stuff to prime now i just haven't done it i need to I need to do that but it's still i don't know i mean i would have to it, the sponsors would have to cover the cost of that and i don't know if because it wouldn't i don't feel like it would get any more views than the stuff that i do now um it would just be a more artistic form of what i do now the interesting thing with your series that you're presenting yeah. clay is that if you need bigger sponsors, you're going to have to go out trolling for bigger sponsors than, say, Seek Outside. Your logical sponsors are going to be, you know, the, the loopholes, Matthews, things like that. But that also isn't really a good fit for that kind of show, especially when you're building your own bows and stuff. So that kind of, I'm, I'm real curious how that kind of show would look like from a sponsorship thing because they're since it's so traditional it's not really like here's your fifteen hundred dollar fly rod to do this yeah and that's that's why there's no traditional based television programs because there's the, the sponsors just aren't there you don't you know i don't use a laser range finder i don't use a compound or you know any of the other stuff that would pay for that and so you know maybe uh maybe dodge trucks will see this or hear this and cut me a check <laughs> uh, well that would be great man because uh, like there's always room for you know i feel like so much in the hunting industry is you know the somebody makes a show and a bunch of people follow that same show and they follow the guidelines and it's all the same right but i have such an appreciation for i love watching different content and i think that's you know why meat eater exploded and I, I really man I, I hope you can find that out find that out now with uh with alone you know I'm, I'm sure you could pull some of those watchers over to your show so good luck man have you thought of like approaching like the actual channels the the discoveries and stuff like that you know i i haven't um it's probably i mean i have some contact with the discovery and and history channel i mean it's a it's it's something that um that i could explore i just haven't done that yet and i don't know i don't know I, i'll probably what i'll end up doing is just funding myself a pilot and putting something together and just forking out that whatever it costs probably you know probably ten thousand dollars to really do it well um and then just seeing where it goes maybe that maybe it'll be at a one-off um but then maybe uh i could drum up some interest and and go somewhere with it but i'll have to do the pilot first to see 
Well, Clay, have have fun down there, man. Enjoy uh, enjoy the warmth. You've you've definitely uh, earned it. <laughs> and well, I, enjoy. Got to take a day on the beach there, man. Yeah, we we've been out doing some fishing. Um, went out the other day, and I just got a new cast net. So we've been out uh, throwing the net on on mullet. Had a fish nice. fry the other night. So. Yeah, we're we're. In, I'm just I'm waiting on some cold weather now to get these darn mosquitoes laid down. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's the bummer about the South. Mosquitoes just year round, yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, sweet man. Well, thanks for jumping on. And uh, maybe if you get that book out, we're gonna have to have to check that out and maybe have you on have you on again. But we always love chatting with you here. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll have to send y'all a copy. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Yeah, please do. All right. Have a good one, Clay. Awesome. Take care, Clay.